Eagles Entertainment. With the 10th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. Today, we continue our conference preview series. The last three weeks, we have done the Big 12, the Pac-12, the ACC. Well, today, we preview the Big 10 conference. This is a conference with two divisions, seven teams apiece. Over in the East, you've got the powerhouse. You've got Ohio State. You've got Michigan, Penn State. Then you've got some other ones, Michigan State, Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana, the upstart from last year that uh, did a great job, Upset had a couple of upsets uh, last year with the Hoosiers. We'll talk about a couple of players uh, from that team here today for sure. Out West, you've got Wisconsin, the Northwestern, the reigning champs from the West, the Northwestern Wildcats. You've got Iowa, Purdue, Minnesota, Illinois, and Nebraska. Plenty of players to discuss on both sides of the ledger here uh, in the Big Ten Conference. Excited to dig into that with both Ben Fennel and Dane Brugler. Before we get there, just a quick reminder. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Jump on Apple Podcasts. Throw us your support. If you're enjoying these conference preview series, really appreciate everybody that gets a chance to go on Apple Podcasts wherever you listen. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. It helps make the show more available to others that are looking for NFL draft, college football analysis here on all of your podcast channels. So thanks so much for doing everyone that's done that. And if you've got a question about any players, by the way, uh, now's the time. Jump on. Leave a question. We will answer it. We've gotten a great question to answer here at the end of the show. That said, we've got a lot of players to break down. I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get into draft buzz now. Talk some of these Big Ten prospects. Now it's time for draft buzz. All right, guys, we've got a lot of players to break down here in the Big Ten as I welcome in Ben Fennel and Dane Brugler. Guys, a uh, ton of pr- players here in this conference and offensive side, defensive side, plenty of talent. I, I don't know where to start. Dane, I guess we'll come to you first. Uh, the top prospect, regardless of position, uh, in your mind here in the Big Ten. Well, as we know, Ohio State loaded with studs every year. Uh, But for me, I'm going with Michigan's Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, I think he was a first-round pick uh, last year. Uh, This is before he fractured his leg in November, which basically forced him to go back to school for a senior year. 6'6", he he was 260 this past spring, probably a little bit heavier uh, once he gets back in full health. But, man, the motor never quits when he's on the field. Uh, very balanced on his feet, physical hands, strong punch. Love his awareness. He plays with instincts. Uh, and it doesn't matter if he's lined up inside, lined up outside. He can stack, shed, find the football. Uh, Bruce Feldman uh, at The Athletic, uh, he recognized him as number two on his annual freaks list this summer. So uh, that's also saying something just about his natural ability. And, listen, if he stays healthy – I think he's definitely one of the favorites uh, to be the the first player drafted from this conference in April. I will say, like, I thought when I watched him in 2019, I thought the athleticism was solid, but not special. But then I will also say I was watching just this morning, I was watching the Minnesota game. So Minnesota's offense against Michigan's defense. And I was watching somebody else but Hutchinson just kept popping off and was so disruptive uh, in that game. That was the the first game of their season. He, like you mentioned, he got hurt. Was that that was game two when he got hurt? Um, so did not play the rest of the year. But uh, Hutchinson certainly a big name uh, coming into this college football season. Uh, I'm going to go with the rival. I'm going to go Ohio State. And I want to talk about Chris Olave because I have a love affair with Chris Olave. Six one, 188 pounds. I really liked his 2019 film. I really liked his 2020 film as well. Uh, this is a guy that has the ability to win at all three levels of the field. You know, he's got instant speed. He can work vertically, but he's not just a deep threat. You know, he's proven to be able to track the ball over the shoulder and finish downfield. 
but he's a sudden uh, route runner. Route runner. He's really sharp in and out of breaks. He could take it the distance as well on quick game throws, and you know he can create yards after catch. I'm interested to see how he looks this year. Obviously, new quarterback situation, but to me, when you look at Olave, uh, he's got the ability. I, when I put out a couple clips, uh, Dan Orlovsky uh, responded and said. He's Stefan Diggs. He's got that ability to, you know, to win at all three levels of the field. He can win with technique. He can win with quickness. He can jump up and over people. Uh, he's just, he's one of my favorite players in college football. So uh, Chris Olave, the senior, he, he went back to try and uh, break some of these school records here that are long lasting at Ohio state Olave uh, trying to break some of those here in 2021. But guys, one of my favorite players in this class, regardless of position. Well, two pretty good picks right there in Olave and Hutchinson. Go ahead, Dan. Well, I say real quick, if he would have came out last year, like we all thought he was going to. Yep. Do you think he would have been a first round pick? Do you think he would have challenged to be, uh, you know, in that that top? You know, I don't probably not in that top three with Jamar Chase and the two Alabama kids. But, you know, do you think he would have been somewhere in that late first round uh, range for you? You know how it goes with like receivers, because like, you know, you would say, oh, well, this is a different kind of player. But to me, like if Kadarius Tony's going in the first round and and mm-hmm. look, we could say like all oh, the, you know, did the Giants reach all that? Look, Jacksonville was ready to take him. Right. The only reason they took Travis Etienne was because uh, Kadarius Tony was off the board. But if Kadarius Tony is going in the first round, like I'm looking at Olave saying like, yeah, like why isn't this guy in the first round? Now, they are different kinds of players. I mean, we have those conversations about receiver. Uh, not all size doesn't fit all there uh, at that position. But to me, yeah, I think he's in that discussion to be a first-round pick for sure last year. I think right at there, number 27, where you had Bateman go, yep, is right, right in that ballpark where I think he's somewhere between 27 and Bateman and Elijah Moore at 34 would be a good ballpark. And to yeah. me, like if you're if you're uh, Chris Olave, you look at Devontae Smith's arc from a year ago, right? Because Devontae exactly. Smith coming into the year was, you know, he was kind of seen as like, all right, he's a late first-rounder. Obviously, he has a Heisman campaign, and that vaults him into the top 10. We don't know if, if Olave is going to do that this year, but you know he's got the ability to help himself for sure. And, that, and that's a great point because – and I was going to mention that next is what Devontae Smith did a year ago. It helps Olave because yeah. you look at his verified measurements, 6005, so just below 6'1", 182. Hey, not a big guy. Uh, uh, you know His frame is not ideally what you want. Uh, 30 and an eighth length uh, with his arms, so not a long player necessarily so the size doesn't jump out at you now he, he should run well you know probably low four fours maybe he gets in the four threes uh but just a natural player i came out with my wide receiver preview on the athletic and he was number one for me so uh but you know what ohio state had a wide receiver uh, uh number two as well and i think uh you know, ben's about to talk about him yeah, they're certainly stacked out there in Columbus. But, you know, Dane, in your mock draft, you had six Big Ten players go in the first round. The first off the board, Ohio State receiver Garrett Wilson. And I got to agree with you. I don't know where, where your head's gone the last couple of months, popping out some babies in that family and your board's <laughs> moving all over the place. But Garrett Wilson really has a chance to not only be the first Big Ten player off the board, but might be the first receiver off the board in the entire class, SEC and the rest of the country included. He's about six foot, 185. I think a Stefan Diggs comparison is more apt for a Garrett Wilson than a Chris Olave, who I think Olave has a little bit more length to him, maybe a Keenan Allen or a Devontae Adams style yep. player. Yep. But Garrett Wilson, the suddenness, the fluidity, the explosiveness, he is as smooth as they come, his body control. He can make plays on every level of the defense, down the field, quick game, after the catch, at the catch point. He is checking all the boxes. I'm not going to spend too much time because he is a pretty complete receiver. Now we'll see a new quarterback connection out there. 
obviously heading into his third season in Columbus. Chris Olave hung around, probably going to steal some production from him as well. That all gets kind of factored into his uh, projection. But uh, Garrett Wilson, certainly an opportunity to not only be the best Big Ten player, but might be the best receiver in the country. I mean, here's my thing with Wilson, because I think his flashes are really, really good. And I actually wrote down Stefan Diggs as well while watching Garrett Wilson. Uh, so I definitely see what you're talking about there, Ben. He was a, I mean, he was a five-star recruit, top 15 player in the country uh, coming out of Lake Travis High School uh, down there in Austin, Texas. But my, my big thing, I just felt like there was more variance with Garrett Wilson's game. There were a lot of plays where, you know, the ball would be, it would be an incomplete pass. I'm like, oh, I, just, I wish he would have grabbed that. You know, I was like, I wrote down Stefan Diggs. I also wrote down Nelson Aguilar. I feel like they're very similar when you talk about like body control, the smoothness in and out of breaks, like Garrett Wilson could be a really, really good route runner. I just want to see it more consistently. He could be a really good hands catcher. I just wish we saw it more consistently. He could be great after the catch. He averaged less than four and a half yards after catch per reception last year. I'd like to see that more consistent. You know what I mean? Like there are just, I just want to see him just be a little bit more steady uh, with everything that he does, but the flashes are really, really good. I think he's got the ability uh, to be a great receiver in the NFL. Uh, so I definitely agree on the upside. Yeah. The body control with Wilson is just phenomenal. Yeah, so it, it, it's really, really impressive. And yeah, I mean, for me, Olave Wilson, that's one, two wide receiver prospects in the country sure. going into the year. So, uh, I, I mean, we could easily see Ohio State have the first two receivers off the board, which would be the first time since, oh, just two years ago when Alabama did it. So uh, the, the catch point, the possible. body controller, great Dane. And then he breaks your heart with like an easy one. I know that's oh, yeah, he does. no question. And it's like, ah, well, what happened there? And, and I, he has ball skills and it's just exactly yeah, it, the focus drops or, you know, whatever it is, he just needs to get rid of those draw. And he, it wasn't like a, a huge problem. I think he was, yep. it was a four, four or five drops last year. So not like a, something that you're really concerned about that maybe he was going to knock him out of the first round, but yep. still something you want to see him clean up this year as a junior. It's rare you see a true sophomore be as good as he is off the line of scrimmage as well. I mean, he is so slippery uh, defeating a jam, but you, which you don't necessarily see all the time from a young player. Uh, let's go top senior on offense. I'm going to be honest. I, I had some trouble just trying try to decide who I was going to go with here, but we, we went to uh, three different players. Ben, we'll stay with the Buckeyes. I know you've got a Buckeye to talk about here. Yeah, I struggled here too. I didn't even know which position I wanted to. I thought there was a lot of intriguing senior tight ends, a couple senior running backs that maybe are in the conversation, but I got to go to this Ohio State left tackle, Thayer Munford, who's been there for so long. It's almost boring at this point. You know, 2,400 snaps, 34 starts, awesome 2020 season where I don't think he allowed a sack or gave up a penalty Mm. in that entire year all the way to the national championship game. This guy's well-built, prototypical height, weight, length. He's flexible. He can bend. He has some technique, technique issues at times. Sometimes his style works against him, firing out too hard. He oversets, gives up inside moves, but he'll love the ability to fire out quickly. So there's pros and cons to his game. He's played a lot of top flight football. He's a really interesting prospect that seemingly has just been ho-hum left tackle at Ohio State and he has big-time football, but he's a really good tackle. Just not sure where that gets him taken. I don't know where he is in the pecking order of other tackles or really how the NFL views him. But I know he is going to be a top 100 player when it's all said and done. Now it's just a matter of does a team covet him in the middle of one, like a the way Leatherwood went? Mm. I feel like Leatherwood's viewed the same way, where it's just yep. a, well, he's only been the left tackle at Alabama for two years, and nobody thinks he's a high-level prospect. Oh, well, Mike Mayock does. He'll take him in the middle of the first round. So I think a team's going to do that to a Munford. But if he fell to middle two, maybe third round, I wouldn't be surprised either. Mm. I think 2021 is going to be a really interesting year for him.
That's a good point. Uh, uh, certainly a name to keep an eye on here moving into the season. But, uh, Dane, let's come to you first. Uh, you've got a receiver. We talked about a couple already. Let's bring up a third. Yeah, and, and my first answer would have been a lot of it, but we just covered him. Uh, secondly, I was going to go with uh, Minnesota's mammoth right tackle, but I know we're going to talk about him in, in a second. So the next offensive senior on my list is Penn State's dynamic receiver, Jahan Dotson. And all you need to do is throw on the Ohio State tape uh, from last year to understand why Dotson is going to be a day two prospect, why scouts love him. He demolished Sean Wade up and down the field, it found his blind spots in coverage, showed off some outstanding ball skills. And similar in ways to Olave, Dotson, leaner than ideal. He, he's 5'11", only 175 pounds, mm. and that shows at times. Physical defenders, they could knock him off his path. Uh, you know, just the, the physical aspect is something that he needs to get better at. But he's really speedy, and he sh- has strong 10-inch hands, so he can go make plays. Coming into this year, he is my number two senior wide receiver prospect in the country behind only Olave. So uh, I, I think he is a player that, you know, Maybe is not, I mean, people know him, but I mean, he is legit day two prospect. And I also wanted to mention Jeremy Rucker, the tight end uh, from Ohio state. I think he's the top senior tight end him and uh, uh, the Iowa state kid. Uh, both those guys are, you know, kind of part of a part of a tight end class. That's one of the better senior tight end classes we've seen in a while. Both have a shot to go top 100. And Hendershot at uh, Indiana. You got Ferguson at Wisconsin. You have Laporta at Iowa. Big 10 is stacked with senior tight ends. Really good conference. Mm. Well, Dane, real quick on Dotson, because I have not done him yet. How similar is he to KJ Hamler? Yeah, he's not as, you know, Hamler was more of that joystick athleticism where he can make you miss in a phone booth. And he also had that deep speed where, uh, you know, good luck catching him. Uh, I don't think, I think Dotson's more, uh, he's got a little more polish to his game uh, as a wide receiver. Uh, like I said, he can find those blind spots in coverage. Uh, when it comes to going up and attacking the football, he's a little more consistent than Dotson. Not quite the same type of make you miss athlete but it brings a little more seasoning for the position. Uh, and I think that's going to help him in the long run. Got it. Uh, I'll round us out here with Minnesota running back, Mohamed Ibrahim. And this is a player that I think checks a lot of boxes in terms of, look, he's got really good vision, patience, feel. He rides the wave really well as a zone runner. He can, he can pick his way uh, through traffic. I like his competitive nature. I think he runs through uh, arm tackles well. He runs behind his pads. He can be tough to bring down at times. He just doesn't have like a special physical trait. Like there's not uh, – the, the short area burst is definitely questionable. The long speed, you know, he's not going to be a game-breaking runner. He's not a super power back, right? He's not uh, a dynamic, twitchy, like make-you-miss guy in the hole. So at the end of the day, like I feel like we're talking about more of a backup running back, especially more of a zone scheme. I'd like to see him get a little bit better on third down. I think the blocking a uh, little bit up and down. There were some really good ones. There's also some others where uh, his eyes were a little bit in the wrong place. So I just like to see him get a little bit more consistent there. Uh, but I liked the football player. It's just a matter of talking about the upside there uh, with Minnesota's Muhammad Ibrahim. Let's go to an intriguing underclassman on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll lead us off here because I talked about Ibrahim, the running back. Let's go with who will be his starting right tackle here this year. And then Daniel Fa'alele, who, if you're an Eagles fan, very familiar with the story, obviously, of Jordan Mailata, who uh, is vying to be the Eagles' left tackle here this year. Fa'alele, like Mailata, from Australia, didn't play any football at all growing up, came to the States. The only thing is he came over, he was a little bit younger, had some college eligibility. He goes to Minnesota. He had offers from all of the college Blue Bloods, but obviously not being from here, he was like, look, I just want to go with who I feel most comfortable with. And Minnesota did a great job recruiting him. So he ends up there. They plan to redshirt him right away. 
But then in, pra- in practice and training camp, nobody could get around him. So like, we're just going to throw this guy in there. It was a little bit messy at first, you know, going back and watching some of that 2018 film. He was kind of all over the place. But in 2019, you could just see the traits that this guy's got. And he is really impressive for 6'8". I mean, he was like 400 pounds uh, at one point. Now he's down... Uh, Dane, correct me if I'm wrong, he's like in the 370s now or something like that. Like he's uh, a little bit lighter, but this is still a mammoth human being. And the way he moves, I mean, it's it's just hard to find guys that are built like this and that move like this. So I'm going to look at Falele and say, look, this is a player that has not played a ton of football. He opted out last year, so did not play it down in 2020. Uh, so I believe by, Minnesota's got him listed as a senior I think from an eligibility standpoint, look, everybody's all over the place this year. I think he'll be listed as a redshirt junior, but uh, this guy has got ridiculous potential. Uh, so I'm going to go Daniel Falalele there and steal one from you, Dane. I, I thought this guy, uh, going into last year, I was really, really high on him. Yeah, look, he was a little bit of a, a slow burn for me, you know, an acquired taste, uh, because my initial reaction is, this guy's just, I mean, he's not what I normally like in a, in a tackle prospect because he doesn't have that uh, explosiveness. He doesn't, you know, move as well as I would want him to uh, just because he's so big, but he is a really good athlete when you talk about, and these are his verified measurements, 608 to 379. Uh, his hands, 11 and an eighth. And <laughs> yeah, his arms are 35 inches. So, I mean, this guy is just mammoth. I mean, it, it, it takes a $10 Uber ride to get around him. And when you're that wide and you have the body control that he does and you can make those adjustments, I mean, it's, it's really impressive. So, you know, I didn't want to like him at first, but the more I watched him, the natural power, I mean, he just mauls guys in the, in the run game. And when he times up, you know, his, the snap, right. It's tough for guys to win the corner against him. So I think there's, there's plenty he needs to work on his pass set landmarks, his, his depth uh, and pass protection, uh, you know, just his timing overall. But you know, it, it, when we really factor in his football journey, he did not, like you mentioned, he did not play until he came over to IMG, came over as a junior in high school, did not play his entire junior year because he had to learn the game, only played his senior year. So this is, he only has three seasons of, of on-field experience. So in talk about offensive line where it's as detailed as it gets in terms of playing at the highest level. So uh, really eager to see him this year, the, the, the year off, how does he, uh, you know, how much better is he? Was he able to get better in the off season? Uh, but yeah, I think he has all the makings. Uh, he could be a first round pick. He could yep. be the first, uh, you know, senior offensive tackle off the board or, you know, yeah. Richard junior, whatever uh, classification he is. He's just right. a really good player. My three comps from guys, I have Zach Banner at USC. We have our own Jordan Malata, also yep. from Australia, converted, and the Big Show. So <laughs> just a little, little. I was bit thinking of the, a, I was uh, thinking the mountain, the mountain from Game of Thrones was where, <laughs> where my head was going. The mountain, Fran. They're completely different <laughs> players out there. Come on now. All right, let's go. Uh, let's stay on the on the offensive line, uh, Dane. I'll come back to you here because I know you want to talk about an offensive tackle as well. Yeah, I went with Ohio State's right tackle, Nicholas Petit-Frere, uh, who uh, is – he was the prize of Urban Meyer's final recruiting class at Ohio State. Five-star guy. Everybody wanted him. Uh, goes to Columbus and registered his first year. He, I think he was only like 275 when he uh, enrolled in Columbus. So light, uh, light guy. He's put on weight, really developed his body. Uh, I mean, he, he is ripped now uh, while putting on weight. So he was a backup as a redshirt freshman. And then last year becomes a starter. Didn't give up a sack. Uh, I think he, he really surprised me with his violence, um, his strength in the run game, but his bread and butter is always going to be pass protection. He's a spry athlete moves really well, efficient lateral movements. Uh, he can protect the corner. 
he needs to better protect his chest and do a better job answering counter moves. And I think that's what scouts are going to be looking for the most this season, just his maturation development uh, as a tackle as uh, being what is Richard junior year. So 34 inch arms, all the tools to be a top 50 pick. He's definitely a guy to watch for. Uh, Ohio State probably is going to be vying for the best starting tackle duo uh, in the entire country in all of college football. Ben, uh, let's come to you. We'll round us out here with another O-lineman. Are we talking uh, Rasheed Walker at all on the rundown here? Friend? No, yeah, we, we have not mentioned – I don't think we're going to well, mention the Penn State Walker, left Penn State. tackle, just a quick little blurb, guys. Go plug his name into Twitter and go find some videos from last season. There's some entertaining ones out there. But anyways, I'm going to go with an interior offensive lineman, and guys, we're here. 2022 NFL draft. We've all been waiting for it. Deep, deep, deep center class. That's right. You need a center. This is the year to get it, whether it's Wattenberg, Lindstrom, we talked, Doug Kramer, uh, MP out of BYU, Ben Brown, Dawson Deaton, Saffle, Neyland out in the West Coast, Colin Newells played forever at Iowa State. But the cream of the crop, Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, the converted defensive tackle going through now, I think is entering his third year as the starting center. Want to find some entertaining clips? Go on Twitter as well. Put him in. He pancaked Tristan Wirfs in high school in wrestling. This is a powerful dude. I talked with Wirfs after the combine two years ago, right when Wirfs was pulling out and just say, whoa, 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 real quick. Is Linderbaum the real deal? He looked at me and said, look out for this kid. He is the truth. He is very quick off the ball. He can pull to the perimeter. He's great on combo blocks. Very strong player. He just showed up on the freak list on Bruce Feldman's article that came out this week for a 1-5-5, 10-yard split, a 4-2-2 shuttle. This guy's athletic and powerful. So he's a guy I expect to squeeze his way into the back end of round one, just like Dane had him mocked a couple months ago. Tyler Linderbaum, really impressive player playing center for Iowa. The only guy to ever pin Tristan Wirfs in high school, right? I believe so. I, I believe I that. I believe that tape yet, but it's it's on the watch list. Well, I don't know what you're doing over there. You're slacking clearly. Uh, <laughs> get through the high school wrestling reps. If you're listening to this podcast, and I know you're a lot like me, you're really excited for football to be back. You're excited for Eagles football to be back. And if you live in the Philadelphia area, you do not want to miss your chance to come and see football live and in person. You can come see the Eagles practice this summer. Do not miss the 2021 Eagles live and in person at training camp public practices presented by Independence Blue Cross. They're right across the street from the Novocare Complex, right over at Lincoln Financial Field. Tickets are on sale now for just $10, and all of those proceeds benefit Eagles Autism Challenge. So go online. Get your tickets now at philadelphiaeagles.com slash public practice and get your first look at the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, let's go to defensive side, guys. Top senior on defense. And uh, we've got a couple of Buckeyes. Dane, I'll come to you first uh, for, for your, uh, your guy from Ohio State. Yeah, we know Ohio State has been a defensive back factory uh, as of late. And Seven Banks, uh, he's next up. Uh, I think he's got a good chance to be a top 100 pick, day two player. Uh, watching that secondary last year, mostly for Sean Wade, but it was that number seven that kept impressing me, his ability to cut off routes, be destructive down the field. I think he's got good size, verified 6'1", 197, 31-inch uh, arms. I, I love how he's just – he's not afraid to be physical, but he's only been flagged once in his entire career. So a, a guy that knows how to mix it up but also has a little savvy to him. When you talk about the top senior cornerback prospects in this class – I think we start with Auburn's Roger McCreary. He's my top senior mm. corner. And then after him, that's when I think Banks, he's right in there with a few other guys in that discussion about, who, okay, who's two, three, four as the, the top senior corner prospects this year, right in that mix to be a day two pick. 
Interesting. I haven't heard McCreer's name like at all. Maybe we'll talk about him next week uh, on the SEC preview. Yep. Uh, I'll go with another Buckeye. And this guy, honestly, I didn't know what to expect coming into watching him. I watched that whole Ohio State defensive front. Haskell Garrett really blew me away. Uh, 6'2", 300, barrel-chested, just like he looks the part. Only a one-year starter. Only started last year. But, guys, he kind of reminded me of, like, Kenny Clark when Kenny Clark was at UCLA. And the reason why... He is, he's got such heavy hands, violent hands at the point of attack, just controls blocks from snap to whistle. Uh, I love his play personality. He'll chase from, from behind. He's really violent on contact. He lets the quarterback know that he's there every single time he's in the backfield. He times the snap well. He's quick off the ball. Uh, still working through a couple different He's got a handful of different moves in his bag as a rusher. Uh, I mean, it just checked a lot of boxes. I didn't see any major weaknesses in Haskell Garrett's game. Uh, to me, like, I look at this guy and say, yeah, like, okay, he's a super senior. He's going to be a 24-year-old rookie. That, that, that's going to that's gonna be a, a nick against him for sure. Um, but the former four-star recruit out of Bishop Gorman High School in Vegas, uh, this guy looked to me as one of the one of my favorite defensive linemen that I've studied so far. Uh, I really liked him. Like I said, didn't, didn't have a lot, a lot of negatives there uh, when I was done doing all of his notes. But uh, I really liked Haskell Garrett from Ohio State. Ben, uh, your top senior on the defensive side. Well, we might as well start the party here talking about some Indiana Hoosiers because they have some legit prospects here. And their middle linebacker, Micah McFadden, who was the first team all-conference, second team all-American last year, needs more attention. He's 6'2", 235. He is excellent athleticism. He's tough, has great coverage instincts, has ball skills, had four picks, I think, the last two years, some really impressive ones, absolute tackling machine, special teamer as well. Reminds me a lot of like a mix of Van Der Esch at Boise and Alex Anzalone at Florida, both who turned into really good professionals when healthy. But Micah McFadden, he's from that Tampa area that Indiana has a really good pipeline to, played at Plant High School with Wap Filer. Tom Allen's son played with him. And they're like, you gotta, you got to take another look at this Micah McFadden kid. Apparently his junior and senior year in high school, he just blew up and became this absolute stud line, outside linebacker. Went to Indiana, and he's put on uh, some really good tape the past two seasons. And just a name that I don't see thrown around with you know, the household who's who of linebackers across the country. Micah McFadden, legitimate chance to be the best linebacker in the country coming up in 2021. Wow, I like it. I like it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I liked him. I think I gave him a fifth round grade. I mean, I think he's definitely in that that mid round discussion, working his way up. So I'm glad you brought him up. He is he is fifth a round player. grade. This ain't no T gray yeah. scales out here, right? <laughs> this is Micah McFadden. All right, I'll I'll tell you some new tapes to watch. <laughs> uh, hey, trust me, I, I did six of his tapes. He's a good player. <laughs> well, you started the party. But once with you one watch that sure. seven tape, you really start to come around. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. all it's tape seven and eight that really <laughs> swing you. Uh, to me, like uh, you started the party with one Hoosier. I'll, I'll keep it going with our second Hoosier in a row as we transition to our t- our most intriguing underclassman on the defensive side. And I'm going to go with Taiwan Mullen. Uh, the the junior corner from the Hoosiers. And look, there's a lot to like about this kid just from a pure profile standpoint. He's 5'10", 180 pounds. His older brother uh, was uh, Trayvon Mullen, who's now out with the Las Vegas Raiders previously with Clemson. He's got a cousin, Lamar Jackson, former NFL MVP. You may have uh, may have heard of Lamar Jackson. But when you look at Taiwan Mullen, uh, first things first, he first popped on my radar, came on my sheet. I remember talking with Michigan State wide receiver Daryl Stewart at the 2020 Combine and said, who was the toughest guy you faced last fall. Big 10. They've got corners up and down. They played Ohio State that year. Penn State had corners that year. He said, the true freshman from Indiana 
And I was like, whoa, all right. He said, this is the toughest guy that I that, uh, I faced all year round. Now, when I look at Taiwan Mullen and watch him from 2020, this is a two-year starter for the Hoosiers, extensive reps outside and inside, a lot of off coverage, a little bit undersized, like I mentioned, but he's extremely fluid in and out of breaks. He's competitive as hell. He's got scheme versatility to play both man and zone. He's proven to have that inside-outside flexibility as well. He can get a little bit grabby at times. He'll likely have to be reined in a little bit in that respect, but he's been extremely productive in both the run and the pass game. He brings an attitude on defense. He can be a tone setter in the defensive back room. I think this is a good starter at corner. If he can cut down on those flags, he's got the ability to be a quality starter. Like I thought like one of the names I wrote down was Jason Verrett, you know, who obviously went healthy, one of the most gifted corners in all of football. He could be a team's number one corner. I'm not too worried about the size. I really thought Taiwan Mullen really, really impressive uh, on film. Ben, I know you've done him as well. Yeah, he's a really fun player, had a huge true freshman season. I have a very good friend that covered uh, Indiana sports out there. And after that true freshman season, I said, hey, any worry that big fish, small pond out there, is this kid going to transfer? My friend called me and said, Ben, Ben, this kid's different. He's not going anywhere. On his recruiting visit, he had a notebook and walked around the facility and started writing down last time they had a winning season, last time they had a bowl game, last time they won the Big Ten. This kid came in with a very corporate type of mentality that I'm coming in to be the change. I'm going to come in and flip this program with Tom Allen. I'm not going anywhere. He's a guy that might stay till his senior year because of that. You know, he's an NFL, you know, pedigree type of kid. But just hearing that, I know we all love that type of, uh, you know, infectious stuff off the field, too. And by the way, like not just talking the talk, like walking the walk. You watched that Indiana team last year. Obviously, they, they shook things up in the Big Ten. Yeah, you certainly love to see that. Now, yeah, Jamar, Jamar Johnson on the back end. They got Mark right. Salino Ball healthy this year. Well, you we had uh, Michael Penix, obviously quarterback, hopefully healthy. They got they got players on both sides. Yeah, Stephen um, Carr coming over from USC. They got some some new juice on that team. No question. Uh, that said, there's another uh, defensive back that I found to be really fascinating that I know, Ben, uh, you want to talk about as well. Yeah, you know, there's all these tall, long gazelles going to the NFL, the Kyle Pitts of the world. This is the draft. We cover them. So we've talked about the Kyle Hamiltons of the world and Isaiah Palomal out at USC. Brandon Joseph. Safety out of Northwestern is just as good as that group. He had six picks last year in his first year as a starter for that uh, Wildcats defense. He's a free safety. He's tall. He's long. He's lean. He's loose. He's not that thumper type. He's not really going to, you know, take your head off over the middle of the field. He's a coverage matchup safety, but he's got the instincts. He's got the balance reading routes. He's got the ability to click and close at the catch point and then finishing uh, with those ball skills. He's like 6'1", 190, like a little more bulk into him. Maybe a Jesse Bates is a good kind of comp. Not quite the 6'4 of a Kyle Hamilton out at Notre Dame, but he's a really, really savvy cover player that can take away slot receivers, tight ends, but just a one-year starter. So we'll see what it looks like in year two. Uh, Maybe he keeps going up. Maybe he comes back down to earth a little bit. But six picks, uh, definitely on everybody's radar. And sometimes those picks, that could be like a little bit of a lying stat, you know, overthrow here, tip pass there. A couple of those picks were big-time plays playing from the post. So uh, that is definitely a guy I am And and real quick, it broke my heart not to talk Daxon Hill here. Out of Michigan, nickel safety, similar type of player that we're talking here in Brandon Joseph. 
Daxon Hill should be on everybody's radar. Could be a breakout candidate this year. Really good player up there in Michigan. Who, by the way, I was I was thinking going into doing Daxon Hill's profile that he was like uh, related to the former corner Lavert Hill, who's now here in Philly. Uh, no, he's actually the former Oklahoma State running back Justice Hill, his younger brother. So uh, a little bit of connection there. Uh, Dane, let's come to you. Uh, who do you have as the most intriguing underclassman on D? I'm going with Brandon Smith over at Penn State, the linebacker. You know, going into last year, uh, it, there were a lot of questions about Penn State's defense with no Michael Parsons. Uh, but Brandon Smith, that weak side linebacker, is one of those talented youngsters who really stepped up as a first-year starter. And you know, there's plenty for him to clean up and, and improve upon, but his athleticism really jumped off the film, rushing the passer, dropping into coverage, chasing down the football. Uh, Bruce Feldman rightly recognized him on the freaks list as well. Uh, 6'3", 240 pounds, pound for pound, one of the most explosive athletes in college football. So really eager to track his development this season. Would not be shocked at all if Brandon Smith is, you know, has a rocket ship on his back and is one of those guys that comes out of nowhere to be an early round pick. He's a, a freak athlete. I'd like to see him get a little bit more consistent through contact, uh, but this is a, a really gifted physical specimen at the linebacker position. Uh, all right, guys, let's get into some sleepers here. Ben, uh, I'll come to you first. Biggest sleeper. Someone you think is flying under the radar coming into this college football season. I got this nailed. All right, this is the one category I didn't have extra names and stuff, but it's two guys, same team, same position, both going to break out, both sleepers. Michigan State receivers. We got Jalen Naylor and Jaden Red uh, Reed, okay? So Naylor, number one receiver at Nevada, Bishop Gorman a couple years ago. He's the current leader in receiving yards on the team. All sorts of track background. He's got the program record in high school, 100-meter, 200-meter state titles, um, averaged 19.8 per catch last year. Big play receiver at six foot 185 with some real over-the-top speed. And Jaden Reed, six foot 185. This is more of the gadget player, the punt returner. He had 760-something all-purpose yards last year. They're going to be really, really fun to watch with Anthony Russo up there slinging that ball around. All sorts of transfer running backs in the backfield. But uh, Reed and Naylor, Michigan State, look out for those two. I mean, uh, let me just say, like, you say that, y'all, I didn't have any extra names here. I mean, two names, that, that means you have an extra name. Like, you, you came in two for one, but that, that's okay. We'll, we'll allow that. We'll let that slide through. Uh, Dane. I, as it, you know, in my rundown, I have like a handful of extra <laughs> names in certain categories here. So, <laughs> Exactly right. Dane, uh, who's yours here? I went with Dante Demas, the wide receiver at Maryland. Um, and it's funny. I'm looking at my top, my, my rankings for my top senior wide receivers uh, going into the year. All three are Big Ten. We mentioned Olave. We mentioned Jahan Dotson. Demas is number three. Uh, and I think he's flying a little under the radar here. Uh, really good-looking athlete, 6'3 half, 213 pounds, 33-and-a-half-inch arms, 4'4 speed. So size, speed, catch radius, check all those boxes. And I think his route running has improved each season. So this is a guy that doesn't get a ton of press. Uh, you know, part of it is, uh, you know, being at Maryland. And, you know, I think that offense should be better this year. It was better last year. So, you know, I think when it's all said and done, we could be talking about this guy as, as maybe a surprise top 100 pick. Well, for a receiver that plays at Maryland to a corner that's from the state of Maryland, I'm going to go with uh, Penn State corner Tariq Castro-Fields, who uh, went to Riverdale Baptist High School, which if you are an Eagles fan paying attention, that is where Eagles fourth-round pick Zach McPherson uh, played uh, played high school ball before he went to Penn State. Uh, Tariq Castro-Fields played in the same secondary. 
He's a fun player. I mean, he's six foot, 191 pounds. He's played both inside and outside. And this guy's played a lot of football. He's a two-year starter in that scheme. As I mentioned, played uh, both outside corner spots as a starter, but he also has got that frame to be able to play inside as well. He's not an outstanding physical specimen, but I think that there are traits there to work with and, and to be a starting corner in the NFL, preferably in a scheme that leans heavily more, you know, more so on zone coverage, but he's really tough. He reads routes really, really well, and he's got that position and scheme versatility. His makeup speed, just okay. I do worry about his ability to make plays with his back to the football. That ultimately might limit his ability to be a true top corner on the outside, but I think he's got a ceiling to be a number two guy, and I think at worst, he's your number four, first guy off the bench, good core four special teams player. That's kind of how I viewed Tariq Castro-Fields. I thought he was a really good football player. I can't wait to see him here as a super senior. He's a fifth-year senior who, by the way, one of two guys in that Penn State secondary to accept a senior bowl invite last December before ultimately deciding to go back. So you already have an idea of how the NFL views Tariq Castro-Fields. He was seen as a, a senior bowl prospect a year ago. Now we get to see him go back for another year of college football. So uh, just a name to keep an eye on here as we move into this season. Uh, Let's get into a few more here. Most approved. Someone, uh, whether they're coming off an injury, scheme change, unproductive season. Uh, Dane, I'll come to you first. Who's the guy that you feel has most approved here coming into 2021? Going with Graham Mertz here, the Wisconsin quarterback. Uh, He had one of the best debuts of any quarterback (laughs) ever last season. Uh, You know, just like Jameis Winston did, you know, way back when. Right. Uh, you know, he went 20 of 21 with five touchdowns against Illinois. Uh, he came back down to earth a little bit after that, but just a really talented player who needs to find better consistency. Good size passer. Uh, he has an understanding of placement, the touch. The game would kind of speed up for him at times, which not uncommon for a redshirt freshman. So going into this year, he's got a full year under his belt. Uh, looking for that to change, maybe things slow down a little bit. And he made some headlines this summer when he became the first college athlete to release uh, a logo as part of his NIL push. And so as an evaluator, I'm fine with that. That's great. But now it's time to back it up on the field. Prove yourself a little bit more. Uh, I think Mertz, uh, he's one of those quarterbacks in this class that could see a huge jump if he plays up his potential. Mm. Uh, guy certainly we'll have our eyes on moving into the fall. Ben, uh, who's your most approved player here? I wonder if he took that five touchdown game he opened his college career with and just opted out afterwards. What's what's the, what's the talk there? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? But anyway, so I'm going to go with uh, Fran. Why don't you set me up here on the pronunciation while so I get it's my George, notes together? George, George Karlaftis, who, by the way, like if you had asked me a week ago, like oh, we're doing the Big Ten preview. I personally would have said, oh, well, George Karlaftis is going to be in that first segment. He's going to be like, we're talking about a guy, top prospect. I very easily could have taken him over Chris Olave. That's the kind of player we're talking about here. So he slid down to my most approved. Why? Because his true freshman season was so meteoric and crazy and incredible. And then last year, it wasn't for a variety of reasons. So his true freshman year in 2019, 55 QB pressures, trailing only Chase Young and A.J. Epinesa in the conference, had 14 QB pressures in his debut against Carson Strong in Nevada. Huge true freshman season. This past year, only played in three games. Dealt with with some injuries, dealt with some COVID, only had eight QB pressures. So for a variety of reasons, wasn't on the field and didn't produce as well. But he's a strong run defender, good initial surge off the ball. He's a power rusher, inside moves, loves the blast through inside shoulders, good awareness, retraces, flattens to the quarterback, plays through contact very well, has heavy hands, plays a good awareness, gets up in the pass lane. 
You know, he's got a stiff lower half. He doesn't have much bend or flexibility. The Ryan Kerrigan Purdue comps are just too easy. It's low just hanging a low fruit. Hanging fruit. fruit. Sure. Yep, the power rusher, you know, types. But, you know, his last season left some to be desired. I want to see him healthy and get back to that 2019 form. So I'm glad we found somewhere to peg him on his superlatives. Most approve only because our high expectations for what he showed us in 2019. Let's get back to that form here in 2021. I'll just say I was really excited by what I saw even just last year and that, you know, and again, it was, you mentioned the adversity he faced last year. Uh, I think he is a really fun player. I mean, he only played Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, Minnesota didn't have their 500 pound tackle that year. It was just like a bad storm of things. I didn't like the opponents. I didn't think he looked healthy. I think he was pressing a little bit, you know, 55 pressures to eight pressures. Let's uh, get yourself back there. All right, so I'll go with the same position and a guy that has absolutely, I mean, skyrocket expectations. A lot of people are really, really high on Zach Harrison, the pass rusher from Ohio State. And I, and I get it. Look, this guy was a five-star recruit, one of the best defensive players in the entire country when he came out. Um, he's been a backup. Now stepping into his junior season, looks like he's going to be stepping in uh, as a starter for the first time. I just had like, he's a big kid. He looks the part. I mean, he is long. He is tall. He's well built. Uh, and you see that power. You see that play strength. He uses his length to his advantage at the point of attack in the run game. You'll see flashes as a pass rusher. But when I compare him to what I saw from Tyreek Smith, who we didn't talk about yet today, but like Tyreek Smith, who's the senior pass rusher for Ohio State, I think he's really impressive. I mean, he is a twitched up uh, pass rusher who can win in multiple ways, inside and outside. He's got, he's always gaining ground when he's throwing his hands. I mean, he's just no matter what he's doing, he's getting after the quarterback. He's finding a way to beat the guy across from him. With with uh, with Zach Harrison. I just feel like he gets stuck at the top of the rush too often. I don't always see like the, uh, the physical tools come to play. So I'm excited to see what he looks like now as a full-time starter, another year of development uh, here for the Buckeyes. But uh, to me, that, uh, I want to see a guy live up to that expectation. Uh, so that, that was my pick here for this category. Uh, Zach Harrison, but Tyree yeah. Smith, he's, a, he's legit. Real quick on Harrison, verified measurements, 605, 264. 35 and three quarter inch yeah, arms. Ridiculous. Wow. 86 ridiculous. inch, 86 inch wingspan. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll almost be like a, a Jason Oway conversation where Oway was a freakiest of the freaks uh, with, you know, the speed and explosiveness. Harrison's a little different. He's not that type of athlete, no. but when you talk about some of the raw traits, it, it's going to be enough to get teams excited. Even if he does not, you know, play like a necessarily a polished pass rusher this season, teams will still look at those raw traits and say, okay, yeah, we can develop that. And he still will have a chance to go top 50 just because of the the, the raw traits that he offers. They Who's never the let anybody be like a full-time player in there. It's something everyone's a rotational, whether you're Jonathan Cooper or whether you're uh, Tyreek Smith or whoever edge rusher outside of Chase Young and the Bosa's. Seemed like everyone was just a rotational player. I just want to see them in a full-time capacity. Who was that Florida State kid last year, the junior that came out? Uh, that was like the former Kando. Big, Kando? Yeah, Kando, Josh Kando. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of to me, like that's kind of what he reminded me of. And Kando, I mean, he was built on built on built as well. I mean, that guy was all kinds yeah. of yoked up, had long arms. The production just wasn't there, and he was a former big time recruit too. I'll be interested to see, uh, you know, how Zach Harrison uh, looks here this year as a full time starter. A couple more categories here, guys. New newcomer on the scene, transfer, replacement player. Uh, ben, this is like uh, we should just name this the Ben Fennel category. Uh, I'll come to you first. Uh, who's the the guy that the newcomer on the scene for you? 
All right, so it was tough to pick here. Obviously, transfers Soccer, everywhere. Yeah. You got Holinsky going to Northwestern from South Carolina. Penn State's bringing over some Baylor kids like John Lovett's interesting or uh, Ebba Cady from Temple going to Penn State. But this Xavier Williams, safety going to Iowa via Northern Iowa, which is kind of a weird uh, weird uh, transition there. But this is a track athlete in high school, all sorts of explosiveness and speed. But at uh, UNI the past couple of years, his first team all-conference, all sorts of ball skills. He's kind of a corner safety hybrid, also a punt returner. Didn't play in 2020, so should be fresh and ready to go. But go back to 2019, he played Iowa State. That's where he first kind of got on the national radar, one of those few Power 5 games for Northern Iowa. And he looked the part. He was out there thumping some, uh, you know, power five type of ball carriers and receivers out there. North Dakota State had a really good game as well. Just want to see what he looks like out here uh, in the power five over at Iowa, wearing number 23 and should be a fixture of that secondary. I like it. Uh, Dane, let's come to you. You're your newcomer on the scene. I went with Anthony Russo, quarterback, uh, Michigan State. And he first came on my radar two years ago uh, watching Temple. Big, strong arm guy, 6'3", 245 pounds. Uh, the accuracy is inconsistent, but there are a lot of tools there that could make him a late round developmental guy. So transfer to Michigan State this offseason. He's right in the mix to be the starter there. Could be a nice fit for him. Um, and so I think if if there is a, a transfer who I think has the most potential to make a big impact uh, this year, I, I think it could be Russo over at Michigan State. I'll go with another Temple transfer here. I'm going to go with Ifani Maje, the defensive tackle who went from Temple up to Rutgers. Now, uh, look, Maje was a, a he was recruited by the previous staff at Temple, so uh, you know they, they, he said, "Look, I'm, I'm looking for a new change." Temple had a bunch of transfers uh, this year, guys that ended up at Rutgers. You've talked about Penn State, Michigan State, uh, Boston College. The guys, the guys going left and right here. Maje is interesting. He, uh, a really quick twitch defensive tackle. I actually went and saw them uh, practice in spring ball uh, just before. Everything shut down due to COVID-19 back in 2020. He was injured. All right, so I'm watching him kind of work over on the side. He's well put together. Uh, he moves well. I'm excited to, to kind of dig into him deeper. Now playing on this Rutgers defensive front, going up against Big Ten O-lines week in and week out. Yeah, he's a name I'll be keeping an eye on here moving into the season. Now, guys, uh, let's wrap it up. Future studs, players that are not eligible here for 2022, but we need to watch here for the future. Uh, ben, I'll come to you first. All right, so the Pat Fryermuth era is over at Penn State. We got some young tight ends to work in. We got Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, both going to be studs. I think they're redshirt freshmen or true freshmen, so just file it away for later. But Rashawn Slater at Northwestern, obviously opted out last year, didn't play. They still had a true freshman out there at left tackle at Northwestern. This kid might be a prodigy. Peter Skaronsky just so happened, sat right next to me at O-Line Masterminds over the summer. He's a great kid, put on some big-time tape, struggled in that Ohio State game, but I think he's going to be better for it. It was a true freshman last year. Northwestern, all of a sudden, a powerhouse there on the offensive line. Rashawn Slater, first-round pick. Skaronsky might be in a year or two. Mm. Uh, You mentioned uh, Penn State there. I'll go with a Penn State kid myself. And, you know, I alluded to the fact that they had two defensive backs that had senior bowl invites, accepted senior bowl invites, but then went back to school. That's Jaquan Brisker, the safety, Tariq Castro Fields at corner. Well, when I was doing some more research on those guys uh, from the spring, just kind of getting some more uh, justification for the decision to go back and, and things like that, I'm reading through some different articles. And time and time again, the name Kalen King kept popping up, a true freshman who arrived here this offseason back in January as a mid-year guy. Uh, and some of the coaches, some of the quotes about this kid, uh, apparently he's going to be thrown right into the starting lineup at corner. And they said they hadn't seen anybody arrive on campus and look this natural on defense 
since Micah Parsons. And so right away, I'm like, all right, I got to put, I got to put this guy uh, into my sheet, make sure that I know his name coming into the year. So Kalen King, the true freshman corner for the Nittany Lions. That's a name I'll be keeping an eye on here moving forward. Uh, Dane, round us out here. Who's a, who's a name you're keeping an eye on? Uh, well, for Penn State's cornerback depth chart, we talked about Castro Fields. Uh, you just mentioned King. Uh, Keaton Ellis uh, yeah, is, it is a, a junior who scouts have brought up to me this summer as a guy they really like. So uh, that cornerback depth chart over at Penn State, something to watch for. Uh, for my uh, future stud, I'm just going with Ohio State's 2021 recruiting class. Uh, <laughs> it's So seven five stars uh, of the top nine players, according to 24-7, Ohio State signed five of them. Um, and then of the top six, they signed three of them. So the top six players and recruits in the country, Ohio State got half of them. Quinn Ewers, the quarterback, reclassifying, yep. highest rated quarterback uh, in the history of, of the programs, of the re- recruiting services. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of hype there. We'll see if he gets on the field and how that shakes out. And then the two other guys in the top six there, two pass rushers, uh, yeah, JT Tumumualoa. I got to work on that. You got, you got time and, to work on that one, yep. Yeah, exactly. And then Jack Sawyer. Um, so these three players, uh, so much hype. They're going to be too good to keep off the field for, for very long. So I'm eager to see them get out there. And, Ben, you were talking about those Ohio State defensive ends. Uh, you just want to see them out there with more, more time to be out there. It's not going to happen. Zach Harris and Tyreek Smith – because of all the talent they have uh, behind them trying to get on the field and try and get playing time. So it's just, a, it's an embarrassment of riches there for that Ohio state, uh, Ohio state roster, but especially that, that pass rush group. We have so much to talk about on a weekly basis. Like we haven't, we didn't even mention the Quinn Ewer stuff from last week with him uh, leaving high school early, opting out for his final year. So he can go up to the, to the college level and uh, go through NIL uh, really uh, fascinating discussions that you know are going to impact the future of the sport for sure. Well, guys, uh, this has been awesome. We covered a ton of players here in our oh, big I 10 can't preview. I didn't touch Hassan Haskins out there. Oh, uh, you've got a million of them that you left on the rundown sheet. That I'm sure we'll hit uh, Hassan Haskins here. though, you know, with Charbonnet going to UCLA, it got Gotta love his upside. Yeah, right. All right. We'll, we'll keep going. I'll just stop recording and you just keep talking to yourself about <laughs> other names that you didn't hit on. It's like uh, running the credits and trying to give like the and thanks <laughs> to the guys in the audio in the back and the lighting guys out there. And thanks for <laughs> listen, production staff, everybody needs love. Uh well, Ben, uh, Dane, we will talk to you next week. Next week we're talking SEC. Can't wait to break it all down right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. Well, great stuff there from both Ben and Dane. And as always, we want to wrap the show up with a question from you at home here in our draft mailbag segment. Appreciate everybody that jumps on the Apple podcast, leaves us a rating, leaves us a comment here. We're going to talk with do Senate who left a five-star review saying, Fran, huge fan of your work and of the show, wonderful content all year long. So do really appreciate that. Thanks so much. He said, I'm curious about some of the sleepers over the years for whom, uh, if you were in a draft room, you would have banged the table for, are there any that stand out? as ones that you were absolutely correct on and ones that you uh, that turned out to be complete misses. Thanks again for all of your work. So uh, do send it. That's a great question. And I took a three-year sample. This was a lot of fun, actually. It's something I, I do pretty consistently. I always have my notes on players up and available for me so that that way when I'm watching NFL film, I can quickly reflect back on some of the thoughts I had on them coming out of college. So just going, I went through 2016, 17, and 18, tried to pick a name or two from each side here. Uh, 2016, big hit. 
was Jalen Mills. Uh, he ended up being a seventh round pick here in Philadelphia. I was jazzed about the selection right away from day one. And he turned out to be a slam dunk late in day three, uh, obviously became a starting corner very early in his career, made the transition to more of an inside safety player uh, here in the last year or so now up in new England. But Jalen Mills uh, was a player I loved at LSU. He played a number of different positions. He faced some adversity that final year. I think he got he had, had gotten hurt. That's when he slid into more of a nickel safety role. I viewed him as a safety. Uh, he played both positions down at the Senior Bowl that year. I just saw a guy with instincts, toughness, ball skills that plays uh, at the in the secondary. So to me, I looked at Jalen Mills uh, as a, a really really big steal for somebody on day three, and he turned out uh, to be the case. Now that said. There were a couple other guys on day three that I was high on that did not turn out. Uh, we'll go with Kenneth Dixon, uh, the running back from Louisiana Tech. I thought the Ravens got an absolute steal with him in the fourth round. He ended up not really working out uh, out there in Baltimore. Farrell Cooper, the wide receiver from South Carolina, I was really high on him as well. Uh, he's bounced around, I think, with like almost every team uh, in the NFC West. He was a fifth-round pick, I believe, coming out of South Carolina. I thought he was going to be a, a dynamic game-breaker, certainly a return man. and He's done a little bit of that here and there, uh, but did not live up to the expectations I had for him coming out of college. The next year, 2017, I really hit on a couple of these guys. I, I was really high on George Kittle. He was my second favorite tight end uh, in that class behind only OJ Howard. Uh, they had some, There were some other tight ends that went really high, obviously, in that draft. I went in the top 50. Uh, Kittle just checked every box for me. Um, I wish I was a little bit more vocal about it, to be honest. But uh, Kittle was a guy that uh, really, really stood out to me watching him at Iowa. I thought he had the ability to be a much better receiver as a more high-volume target, uh, and he definitely has proven to be that so far with the 49ers. I was also really high on Eddie Jackson as well, uh, the safety from Alabama. He had the broken leg midway through his senior season, was a corner transfer. So there was, you know, there was guy, there were questions about him, but you know, the, the playmaking ability was absolutely there. I thought he showed a uh, really good willingness to come downhill and be a part of the run game in only one year as a safety. So uh, this was a guy that I was really high on. I thought the Bears got a steal and he's been one of the better safeties uh, in the NFL, but one of the better young safeties, certainly since entering the NFL. So uh, Eddie Jackson would be a hit. So we're going to go two on the other side, uh, quarterback and a running back here. Uh, Nathan Peterman, who has been about what I expected, but I would I expect it to be more because, look, at the end of the day, when I look at quarterbacks, I think there's a tier of quarterbacks in the NFL where it's like, okay, you are both a low-end starter or a good backup. And he, he has turned into be more of like the solid backup. I expected him to be more low-end starter at the end of the day. Um, but I thought Nathan Peterman would be a little bit better uh, than he's turned out. Samaj P. Ryan, the running back from Oklahoma, he ended up in Washington. He's bounced around. I think he's been in Cincinnati, a couple other places. Uh, I really liked his contact balance and his vision and patience. Not a dynamic athlete, but I really liked P. Ryan coming out. Uh, and he is a guy that obviously he has not worked out uh, either. I thought he would be uh, much more of a sleeper there late in the draft. Uh, 2018, last one here. Couple big hits. Uh, first one, Wyatt Teller, uh, the offensive guard from Virginia Tech, converted defensive lineman. Uh, he went. To, he was at Buffalo. Did not work out at Buffalo. Then gets traded to Cleveland, and, and almost immediately becomes one of the top offensive linemen in the NFL. So great credit, obviously, to Bill Callahan and that uh, offensive staff in Cleveland. But Wyatt Teller, I was really, really high on when he came out of school. And then uh, Yale linebacker Foye Olakun, who the Eagles are going to see in Week One uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. I watched him, and he was a really fun player, really fun study in the Ivy League, kind of an 
athlete, you know, lined up a number of different places in the back seven. Uh, but I thought that he had the ability to transition to be a linebacker. It would take some time. It would take some patience. Uh, but he was a guy that I was really high on coming into the year or coming into that draft. And uh, so far, uh, he is starting to meet some of that intrigue. It could be a big year for him in a new defensive system. And then on the opposite side, I was really high on Contavious Street, uh, the defensive lineman from NC State. I talked about him a lot. He had that injury late in the pre-draft process, and that kind of affected him, I think. Um, and he's still with the San Francisco 49ers right now, but I was expecting more of an impact player. I thought he could be kind of a Michael Bennett ty- type of presence, so the inside-outside versatility there with Contavious Street. And then another one, he ended up going, I believe, in the third round, uh, Rashawn Golden, who was – Essentially, he was a big nickel uh, for Tennessee, and he, he was a guy that had really good length. He was had really good ball skills. He was instinctive. For whatever reason, just hasn't worked out. I believe he was a third-round pick of the Carolina Panthers. I was expecting more of an impact player. So, uh, Duo said it. Great question, and it's a lot of fun uh, having these kind of exercises. I try and pull lessons away from all of these, right? So whether it's a, a hit, whether it's a miss, I think there's something to learn. And I always try and draw on some of those experiences, uh, some more than others. You know, obviously the more stick out for me. I mentioned the Kittle one. I've thought about that numerous times. Every time I see him make a big play, I like, man, I wish I was a little bit more vocal about how much I like George Kittle going into that draft. But uh, there are plenty of examples on both sides. So uh, I really appreciate the question. Thanks so much for all of your support, everybody out there for going on, leaving us a comment, leaving us a rating over on Apple Podcasts. Great stuff today from both Ben and Dane. We've got a lot of work cut out for us next week and the preseason gets underway here around the NFL. Excited to watch some of these rookies uh, take the field over the course of the next few weeks as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a fun time of the football calendar. We'll be back next week right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Hi, Eagles fans. I'm Connor Barwin and I'm here to tell you about the Eagles Autism Challenge presented by Lincoln Financial Group. This year's event will take place on Saturday, August 21st, and we can't wait to see all of you back at Lincoln Financial Field live and in person. Register today to walk, run, or ride. In addition to making a transformational impact on the autism community, you'll also receive a complimentary ticket to our public practice on Sunday, August 22nd. Register today at eaglesautismchallenge.org, and I'll see you there.